things just keep getting worse for Joe Biden. The president has lots of challenges, as we all know, but probably his most significant political challenge is that he can't speak very well. In politics, you need to speak. That's how you do politics. Biden used to speak pretty well, just fine, but now he's old and senile and he doesn't speak very well. And he's blaming it on a childhood stutter that disappeared for 70 years, but we all know the problem is just that he's lost a step. So this is a problem for him, but it is not insurmountable. From the 2020 campaign up until now, Joe Biden has generally avoided speaking. He's avoided taking questions from the press. He's had everything laid out in the teleprompter. Even that doesn't help him very much. He's let his press secretary, Jen Psaki, do the talking for him. It's worked out about as well as could be expected. Now, Jen Psaki has left that job. Corrine Jean-Pierre is in. And it turns out the new girl has the same problem that Joe Biden has. The president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about um, we have talked about this this past year uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share, um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that uh, you know the president has been you know working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs, and so it's very important uh, that uh, you know as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to you know uh, you know build a. a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind. That is an important part of that as well. If, if Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia were trying to answer this question, he would not have been less coherent than Karine Jean-Pierre here. This is so embarrassing. It's embarrassing on so many levels. One, she's completely unprepared. She didn't even know about this tweet that Joe Biden sent, which obviously is going to come up because it was such an opening for the conservatives. The way we're going to bring down inflation is by raising the taxes on corporations. There is almost no connection whatsoever between raising taxes on corporations and inflation. These are completely separate issues. So not only was she unprepared, she didn't know know what the tweet was, was, that was going to be referenced. But second, she didn't have an answer. She actually just said, she goes, oh yes, well, we, we, uh, raising taxes on corporations is something that we have talked about because, uh, because we want to raise taxes on corporations. And so we, and filibuster and bird law, and it's, it's like a sketch from Always Sunny. It's a it's a long answer. I ha- I have to play you the rest of it. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right? Especially those who care about climate change, uh, to support a fair ta- tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops builders a higher percentage of their earnings that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this this that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this existential problem if you think about that as an example and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well right that's also important but 
Look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, the, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at all. Uh, Korean, we're going to just try it again. How does this one thing, raising taxes on corporations, how does that have anything to do with the totally unrelated different thing? Uh, uh, climate change. Climate change, workers, babies. Freedom, equality, unions. <laughs> you, uh, are you glitching out? Are you, is, there, is there a bug in your system somehow? Absolutely. Pathetic, cringe-inducing. I almost, I almost feel bad for her, except that this is her job. <laughs> when she was hired, when, when Kareen Jumpier was hired, Jen Psaki said that Kareen was a great choice because she's a black lesbian. That was the first thing Jen Psaki said. She said, it's so great that Kareen got this job because she's a black lesbian. And for some reason, it's really important that a black lesbian serve as press secretary. Couldn't tell you why. Now, of, of course, I have nothing against black lesbians, more power to black lesbians. Uh, it would seem to me that before the White House offered her the job of presidential spokesman, they might have considered making sure that the woman could actually speak. This is a perfect encapsulation of the Democrats' most pressing challenge today. They have no idea what their message is. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Climate change, filibuster. Workers, unions, I don't know. I've got a lot more to say, actually, than Corinne Jean-Pierre does. My favorite comment yesterday is from hashtag Nostradamus, who says, uh, Joe Biden says, I'm trying to carefully say this because he's trying to remember what they told him to say. That's true. Yesterday, when we played that clip of Joe Biden launching this new phrase into the culture, ultra MAGA, when he was trying to drop this phrase, he took a moment. He took a beat and he said, well, the problem is these, uh, hold on, I want to say this carefully. Ultra MAGA Republicans. That he, he actually was doing exactly what you're describing. He was taking a beat there because he knew that he had to drop this line and it was focus grouped for six months and this was going to be the new Democrat slogan. And he couldn't quite remember it because he's not so fast on his feet. I sort of excuse the 80-year-old president who was never the brightest bulb in the pack for, for having that little mental pause there. Uh, I, I really don't, don't excuse the pr young press secretary who's supposed to be much, much better at this, all right? If you want something done right, sometimes you got to do it yourself, which is why you got to check out Rock Auto. Right now, go to rockauto.com, write Knowles in there. How did you hear about us, Box? There is a very good chance that whatever car or truck or minivan you drive has appreciated considerably over the last year. Well, make sure you take care of that vehicle, you got to go to rockauto.com. Instead of going to the brick and mortar store, waiting online, you get up to the front, they don't have the part, there's just too many parts to stock, and then you wait, you drive back, you waste all your time, you pay a lot of extra money. Go to rockauto.com. These guys are the real deal. They're totally reliable. They have been on this show, big supporters of this show, basically from day one. Okay, so I love them for that already. And then when I, their reliability and their loyalty supporting us, you see that same reliability and loyalty supporting auto parts customers online for 20 years. They've got a super easy to navigate catalog. The website's so simple to use, uh, e you know, even I can do it. They've got the same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. They don't have any gimmicks or anything like that. Go to rockauto.com, 
for your auto parts. Right, Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Also, by the way, check out Jonathan Isaac's new book, Why I Stand, published with Daily Wire Books. You know Daily Wire is taking over every single industry in the entire country. Well, we got this great book with Jonathan Isaac. Uh, it's, it's got important messages about faith, about courage, uh, that everyone can benefit from. So go check out Jonathan Isaac's book today. You can order it wherever great books are sold. The Democrats cannot stay on message. They don't get it. Eric Swalwell just proved this. You remember Eric Swalwell? He's best known for his incontinence on a CNN camera and for dropping out very, very early of the 2020 presidential primary and for sleeping with a Chinese spy. Eric Swalwell tweeted out yesterday in an attempt to exploit the Buffalo massacre, the, the shooting that took place over the weekend. He wanted to exploit it for his own political purposes. And so he tweeted out, quote, my four-year-old just FaceTimed to ask what I'm doing to help the people of Buffalo. And why did the bad man do this? Absolutely gutting. This cannot be his normal. I guess he is, there's a typo there. It's time to ban assault weapons, hashtag end gun violence. Never mind for a second that Swalwell is using such a deeply insincere and ridiculous tweet format. People make fun of this. They say, my three-year-old just called me and he asked me, Daddy, how do we, how do we reconcile deontological and consequentialist ethics? And I said, son, son, I don't know. And then everyone in the TSA line applauded. My 18-month-old baby just texted me and he said, uh, Daddy, uh, how, do we, how do we resolve the Riemann hypothesis? And I said, I don't know, Sonny. Let, 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 me, let me go visit your Princeton math class. And then everyone at Harvard applauded. And th this is the kind of format that everyone makes fun of. It's become a meme. And Eric Swalwell sent this out sincerely, as though his four-year-old was, was FaceTiming him and asking him about these things. But, but even worse for Swalwell, he's not on message. He doesn't realize that while, of course, the Democrats are exploiting the mass shooting to advance their own political agenda, they're not doing it on gun control right now. They're... The way that the Democrats are exploiting the, the tragedy is to try to incite a race war. The way that the Democrats are currently uh, exploiting the tragedy is to try to get Tucker Carlson fired. That's what they're, they're, they are going to get to gun control. That is going to happen, but they're not on it yet. And so Swalwell, he's not even on, on the, the right moment of, of the messaging of the propaganda, of the way that the Democrats are exploiting this tragedy. Really embarrassing, though not surprising Eric Swalwell is not ready for prime time. Megyn Kelly, our friend Megyn Kelly, uh, just threw her hands in the air. She was so furious at the way that the Democrats had been exploiting this tragedy. She asked a simple question. She said, hey, before all the political maneuvering, can we just take a couple minutes to mourn? Some in the media have been quick to point fingers and even place blame on our friend and very popular Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, it's outrageous. It's wrong, both factually and morally. Why do we have to go to that place immediately on these stories? Why can't we spend two minutes mourning the people who are dead and trying to understand that we have insane people in this country? We have lunatics. It's a huge country. It, we're not going to be able to get rid of them all. It infuriates me. People have to inject their politics into everything. And this guy had a racist manifesto. There's no question. That doesn't make it Tucker Carlson's fault. Just stop it. Just stop it. Uh, Megan is so good at these 
sorts of stories, telling these stories, especially with, with this kind of uh, level of tragedy to it and really conveying what happened and who these people were. And, and she's re- really, really good at that. Uh, but in answer to her question, can't we take two minutes to, no, we can't. We can't. The, the Democrats will not let us do that. The, the reason that we can't just take two minutes to, to mourn before this becomes political is because the only reason that the media are having us talk about this at all is to attack conservatives. That's the whole point. Now, when you want to protect yourself and your home and your family, you got to check out Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. When it comes to home security, are you an amateur or are you a pro? Now, you know I love Ring's video doorbell. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door, wherever you are, in the home, outside the home. You know I love that. You know I love Ring Alarm. This is that award-winning home security system. Lets you control for freeze, fly, fire, flood. Say that five times fast. The bad guys, you can protect your home wherever you are, whether you're in the home, outside the home. But have you gone pro? Because Ring Alarm Pro is being hailed by CNET as a giant leap for home security. When you go pro, you protect not just your physical home, but your digital home, your virtual home, it includes protection for your Wi-Fi network. You live so much of your life online. You got to protect, you can't just protect the, the brick and mortar. You got to protect the virtual life too. I love Ring. Truly, it makes me feel much safer, much better, whether I'm at home, whether sweet little Lisa and the baby are at home, whether we're all on vacation. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That's ring.com slash Knowles. Be like me. Go pro. Become a pro. Ring.com slash Knowles. Megyn Kelly says, can't we just mourn for two minutes before we politicize a, tra- a tragedy like the shooting in Buffalo? The answer is no, because if, if the shooting in Buffalo did not fit the predetermined Democrat narrative, if the shooting in Buffalo did not serve to advance the Democrat political agenda, we just would not be talking about it. Maybe you would have heard about it. It was a really horrific attack. Maybe you would have heard about it for a day or two, but it would have just disappeared. We wouldn't still be talking. It would be like the Waukesha killing where a a black racist drove his car into a a crowd and killed a lot of white people during a Christmas parade not that long ago, Just, just what, at the end of November? And you would have heard about it for a day or two, and then it would have just disappeared because it wouldn't have served to advance the media's and the political establishment's agenda. It would have been like the New York City subway shooting. The New York City subway shooting was a black racist who went down there and shot lots and lots of people. Over 20 people, I think, were injured in that shooting. But it was a news story for a day or two, and then it just disappeared. Had the shooter been white, it would have been a a news story until today. It would have been a news story for six months. Same goes for Waukesha. So in, in, in just a very technical answer to Megan's question, no, you won't get the two minutes to mourn. You, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about it. The whole, it's sick. It's sick and it's really sad that this is the way the media worked. But the only reason that this is in the news, it's not the human tragedy. It's not the, the sorrow that everyone feels for the, the victims' families and for the victims themselves. It's not the anger that people feel at the shooter. It is solely to be used as a cudgel to attack the political opponents of the media and of the political class. There are, there are really big shootings, really awful crimes committed all of the time that you will never hear of. They might not, they might not be quite the gruesome scale of what happened in Buffalo, but some of them can be pretty close. Did you, did you hear about the story of, uh, this was just a few months ago, in uh, Los Angeles, 
of a woman celebrating her birthday being targeted and killed in an ambush where at least four people were killed. I think more people were shot. This woman's family, it was a birthday party and just all gunned down, right? right. You pro- I guarantee you, you never heard of that story because that doesn't advance a political agenda. Did you hear of the story? This one was crazy. This happened in Milwaukee just, uh, gosh, just a a few days ago, I think. The the press release came out on May 13th. It's May 17th right now, where how many people? That's eight. 16 people were shot. 16 people shot. And then, oh, maybe even more than that. It was a a mass, mass shooting in, in Milwaukee. You didn't hear about that. Of course you didn't hear about that doesn't advance a political agenda. So that's, that's what this is about. And if you want to understand the national conversation and all the calls that are coming from Washington, you need to recognize that the, the, the only stories that will ever even get past the threshold to become a topic of national conversation are the ones that permit the establishment to attack conservatives. So they're going after uh, the, the Tucker Carlson in particular now, but Republicans generally. After the media have determined that the story advances their agenda. Then you get Joe Biden going in and saying, okay, I'm going to go to Buffalo. He wouldn't go to Waukesha. He said it required too many presidential assets. There's no way he could make it to talk to the victims and the victims' families, but he can go to Buffalo because Waukesha doesn't help him politically and, and Buffalo does help him politically. Then after you get the political establishment going in and defending it, then you get the court jester conservatives. Enter Liz Cheney right on cue. Liz Cheney tweets out, quote, the House GOP leadership has enabled white nationalism, white supremacy, and anti-Semitism. History has taught us what, that what begins with words ends in far worse. GOP leaders must renounce and reject these views and those who hold them. So notice, Liz Cheney is not saying, let's pray for the victims. Liz Cheney is not doing anything to help the victims' families in Buffalo. She's not doing anything productive. She is just doing exactly what the media and the the Democrat political establishment are doing, namely exploiting a tragedy to attack her political opponents. And her political opponents are the Republicans. Even though she's got an R next to her name, she's not really a conservative. She's not really a Republican. She is a court jester conservative. Her job is to pretend to be a conservative, to pretend to put up opposition, but then on every crucial matter to cave to the dominant liberal establishment. That's her whole utility. That's her whole point. She, she's just there to legitimize the liberals and the Democrats. Her real opponents, her real enemies are the Republicans. And specifically now, they're all going after Tucker Carlson. The current narrative, the current message is that Tucker Carlson has, has spread what they now dubbed the great replacement conspiracy theory. And by Tucker Carlson embracing the great replacement conspiracy theory, he is responsible for the killing in Buffalo. That's the narrative, and it's being advanced by Democrats, it's being advanced by the media, but I repeat myself, and it's being advanced by Liz Cheney, but I repeat myself again. What is the great replacement conspiracy theory? The great replacement conspiracy theory, so-called, is that Democrats use immigration policy to uh, change the American demographics and increase their political power. That's the grand conspiracy theory, and if it doesn't sound like a conspiracy theory, it obviously is not. Democrats have bragged about this for many years. For most of my life. For for my entire adult life, Democrats have printed article after article saying Republicans are demographically doomed. Immigration is going to kill the Republicans because the Republicans rely disproportionately on the votes of white men. And so as the white percentage of the population decreases, then Republicans' electoral power is going to decrease And this means, haha, Democrats are going to be in power forever. It's not just the New York Times that has supported this, though they have. It's not just MSNBC, CNN. It's not just all the liberal media that have embraced this theory. 
Joe Biden himself embraced this theory not so long ago. So there's a second thing in that black box, an unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America, absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. There it is. That's the whole conspiracy theory. If you're going to attack Tucker Carlson for embracing this crazy wild conspiracy theory, then you need to attack Joe Biden for embracing the same crazy wild conspiracy theory. And you have to attack the entire Democrat establishment and the, the media establishment because they're the ones who have bragged about this for decades too. Now, some of what Joe Biden said there is not factually correct. He said in the very first part of that clip that Throughout the entirety of American history, going back to the 18th century, we've had a steady stream, an unrelenting stream of immigration. That's not really true. We've actually had huge periods of American history where there has been relatively very little immigration. And then really starting in 1965, when the Democrats, led by Ted Kennedy, completely changed the immigration rules and opened it up to a, a flood of, of new immigration, that's really when, when uh, things started to change and really move in the, the direction of Democrats' political favor. But what does Joe Biden say there? He says, uh, we're going to have, because of all this immigration, we're going to uh, shrink the white percentage of the population, and this is a really good thing. And, it, and if you're a Democrat, there is at least good reason to think that's true. I actually don't think it's quite as simple as that, because right now you're seeing huge numbers of Hispanic voters moving to the GOP just within the past four, four years or so. And really starting with Trump, but then accelerating in more recent years. So there's a chance that Democrats get what they wish for, and it, and it doesn't look like what they were hoping it would be. There's a chance that actually Republicans are, are going to uh, get some benefit here as well. But certainly the Democrats think that that is the case. That's what they've been writing about. That's what Joe Biden's talking about. He's saying it's a, that's a source of our strength. He might be pretending to talk about American strength, but he's certainly talking about Democrat strength at the very least. He's saying because these immigrants are more likely to identify as Republicans than, or as Democrats rather, then uh, that will be a great source of strength. That'll change the country and that's our big win. So the, the Democrats now are exploiting the tragedy to attack Tucker Carlson for quoting Joe Biden's own words back to him. They'll move on after this. They will exploit the tragedy for gun control. They will exploit the tragedy to go after all sorts of other people. But, but that is the point. That is all they're looking at. I have a piece up at the Daily Wire today on how to, how to exploit a shooting to blame it on your political opponents. Because if you, I read the shooter's manifesto. If you look in the shooter's manifesto, you can find something. So you, you can find a line to make it seem as though the shooter is on the other side. Whether you're on the left or the right, you can find a line or two lines or, or 10 lines to make it seem like the shooter is on the left. He says he's on the left. He says he's an authoritarian leftist. But you can find lines that make it seem like he's on the right. He said he's moved much further to the right. You can find all of these lines. You can score points. Ah, ding, point for the right wing. Oh, here we go. Score one point on the tragedy for the left wing but it's pointless. And it's especially pointless for conservatives because the whole media apparatus right now is using this for that one purpose and that one purpose only. That is to attack you. Now, 
when you want to be responsible, unlike our irresponsible media, when you want to be responsible, it's very important to get your affairs in order, which is why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles, the foundation of your family. What do you want it to be? Do you want it to be what some other guy believes, what some other guy thinks is best, or what you believe, your faith, your beliefs? If something, God forbid, should happen to you or your spouse, who do you trust to instill those beliefs in your children? Do you think that it's the same person that the state necessarily would assign them to? If you do not have a will in place, you have no say in the future of your kids. Let that sink in for a second. If you're single and you don't think you need a will, you could not possibly be more wrong. A will allows you to establish advanced directive, medical power of attorney. So we're talking about what happens to you. Do you really want to leave the burden of deciding life support or not to a a randomly assigned family member or a close friend? I don't think so. A will allows you to clearly communicate to your loved ones what your wishes are regarding your health. If you have not made one yet, you are not alone. I actually just finalized mine last week. We are going to make it really easy for you at epicwill.com. Use code Knowles. Love these guys. Really proud to partner with them. I'm glad they're protecting Daily Wire. Let them protect you as well. Epicwill.com. Promo code Knowles. That's how easy it is. Secure your future in as little as five minutes. Get a complete will package starting at 119 bucks with promo code Knowles. You'll get 10% off. Epicwill.com. Most important five minutes you will spend today. Also, leading up to the two-year anniversary of George Floyd's death and the radical worldwide repercussions that followed, Candace Owens has taken her bold lens to the people and places that ignited the violent and racially divided aftermath. Join Candace as she goes beyond what you've been told by the media to bring the truth to light and expose the greatest lie ever told. The trailer for this explosive documentary drops tonight, 8 p.m. Central, on Candace's show, The Greatest Lie Ever Told, George Floyd and the Rise of BLM, is only available to Daily Wire members, so subscribe today at thegreatestlie.com. Tune in tonight to be the first to catch the exclusive trailer. We'll be right back with a lot more. The future of the GOP is playing out in Pennsylvania right now. We've come down to the Pennsylvania Senate primary. There are three top candidates. Dr. Oz, the the Turkish TV show, daytime talk show guy. Uh, David McCormick, who's former CEO of Bridgewater. He's a hedge fund guy, kind of a business Republican. He was an official, I think, in Treasury during the Bush administration. And Kathy Barnett. It was a little bit of a wild card. She was a military veteran, political commentator. She's less well-known than the other two guys. Uh, Seems to be the more conservative candidate, more to the right, uh, but less well-known. She's really surged in recent weeks and now would appear to be among the top two candidates. Uh, According to a survey from Susquehanna Polian Research released just yesterday, uh, Dr. Oz has 28% of likely Republican voters. Kathy Barnett has 27% of likely Republican voters. And uh, uh, McCormick, I don't have his exact numbers here, but I think he's fallen fairly significantly behind. This race, uh, you know, I don't really do endorsements in Republican primaries. I don't live in Pennsylvania. The voters there can decide unless there are all sorts of nefarious election maneuvers to uh, lots of mules and things like that to misrepresent the will of the voters. Although I don't think you would see that in a GOP primary. I think you'd be more likely to see that in a general election. So it's up to the, the Republican voters of Pennsylvania to decide. The point of this election is to see how far the Overton window has shifted. I think if you just looked on the issues here, 
Dr. Oz would be the furthest left candidate in the, I mean, Dr. Oz has endorsed abortion. He's complained about pro-life laws around the country very, very recently. Dr. Oz has seemed to encourage transgender transition for minors. I mean, the guy does not seem really conservative at all. Then you've got David McCormick. David McCormick seems like a business Republican. He, on the social issues, is to the left. He, he, I think he submitted a, a brief to the court in defense of redefining marriage in the Obergefell case. So socially, he, he would seem to be on, more to the left. I'm not sure that he would be as far to the left as Dr. Oz. And the kind of business economic issues, he seems broadly what you would expect from a more establishment Republican type figure. And then you've got Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett seems to check all of the boxes on the conservative issues. So if you're just voting on the issues, probably you're going to vote, and you're conservative, you're probably going to vote for Kathy Barnett. But then there is the question of electability. This is the, this is the old Buckley rule that you should vote for the most right viable candidate. And so Dr. Oz actually has something to recommend him here, which is that he's a very famous TV host who's got a lot of name recognition, who is some, I guess, more centrist than the other candidates. And Pennsylvania is a somewhat blue state. So maybe he's more electable. David McCormick, he's a self-funder. He's got a lot of money. He's mainstream. He's worked in a kind of centrist administration. So maybe he's more electable. Kathy Barnett, we just don't know. We don't know her as well. She doesn't have as much name recognition. There, there might be things in her past. There might not be things in her past. We just don't know. That, that's the decision that people are going to look at here. Donald Trump endorsed Dr. Oz. Sean Hannity is all in for Dr. Oz. The Sean Hannity show has become basically the Dr. Oz commercial. (laughs) Okay. And uh, all right, that's their prerogative. Uh, Ted Cruz has gone in for David McCormick. And uh, this was before the Kathy Barnett surge, but Cruz seems to be for McCormick. Kurt Schlichter, who's a pretty rock-ribbed conservative columnist, Kurt just went in. He said, look, I'm not saying McCormick's the most conservative guy, but he's a guy who can win. I don't think Kathy Barnett can win in the general. McCormick, I think, can. So I'm in for, for David McCormick. I interviewed Kathy Barnett. The interview came out on Sunday. She, she's a very, very impressive candidate, as far as I can tell. Whether or not she's electable in a general, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with the voters of Pennsylvania. I'm not as familiar with those dynamics now. The voters know her better than I do because she's been going door to door for many months. That is what's playing out. And we're going to get an answer very, very soon. How far has the Overton window shifted? If the, this election were happening 10 years ago, there's no question McCormick would be the choice. There's, there's absolutely no question. Dr. Oz would probably be laughed out of the room. Kathy Barnett would probably be considered too right-wing, and I, McCormick would be the guy. But things have changed a lot. And if it were 20 years ago, oh, there's no question McCormick would be the guy. And maybe he still would be today, but maybe the, the conservatives have moved more conservative. Maybe the whole country has moved more conservative. Maybe Kathy Barnett is there. That's what we're watching. Frankly, it's, it's more interesting to me even than the individual candidates and who gets to win. It's where is the country moving? Where is the momentum? You, you look right now one of the most popular governors in America, certainly the most popular governor for Republicans, but one of the most popular period. Who is it? It's Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is a conservative. He's a real conservative. He's not one of these cut it down the middle, try to split the baby guys. Ron DeSantis, anytime a conservative issue pops up in the culture, Ron DeSantis is there doing something about it in Florida. Ron DeSantis just signed a bill in Florida to make it illegal to protest outside of someone's home. 
DeSantis signed the Florida House Bill 1571 just yesterday. Uh, under the law, uh, law enforcement officers must issue a warning to protesters to disperse. If they don't, officers can arrest them. The violators will be prosecuted and punished as second degree misdemeanors. This law will go into effect on October 1st. So this obviously is in reaction to the protests outside of the homes of the Supreme Court justices. I have this sense now that Ron DeSantis just all day, he's just on Twitter and he's waiting to see whatever the news story is. And you say, okay, here's the boom. News story is uh, there's protests outside of the judge's homes. Okay. I need a law. Get me a law right now. I'm going to sign it. We're going to make this illegal. Here we go. It's now illegal. The news story is there's a plus size swimsuit model on Sports Illustrated. Okay. So get me a law. No, there will not be plus size swimsuit models in Florida. Okay. That's banned. We're getting the, the story is that Eric Swalwell's pushing for gun control. Okay. We are in the state of Florida. We are going to mandate that every baby has an AR-15. Yeah. Especially now because abortion is threatening the babies now more than ever. That's what we're doing in Florida. And he's so freaking good at this. The guy is in the news every day because every national issue and especially every issue that matters to conservatives, he's there doing something about it. It shows you the advantage that, that governors have over senators and congressmen and cabinet officials in terms of running for president. Because senators right now, you might have the most rock-ribbed, reliable conservative senator in the world, but if the senators are in the minority, if there's a Democrat in the White House, the senators can't do very much. Congressmen certainly can't do very much, and cabinet officials, former cabinet officials, can't do anything at all other than give speeches. But the governors can go in there and pass what, whatever, whatever the, the bill is whatever the cause du jour is. Eric Swalwell tweets about how his four-year-old's FaceTiming. Okay, we've got a new law in Florida. Four-year-olds are not allowed to FaceTime. You've got to be five years old to FaceTime. That's what we're doing in Florida. That's what we're doing for America. And it's a very effective. It's a very effective way to get your name into the news cycle, to put yourself up in the pecking order when you're looking at, at uh, the, the presidency. And it shows you where that Overton window shifted, by the way, folks. If you had told me five years ago that education was going to be the biggest issue or one of the biggest issues in 2022, 2024. If you told me that getting LGBT ideology out of schools was going to be one of the biggest issues in 2022, 2024, I would have laughed at you. I would have said that's a conservative pipe dream, but that's not really what's going to happen. And then it did. That's, that's the, the shifting pendulum. That's the shifting Overton window. How far can it go by this election cycle, by the next one? That remains to be seen. Some candidates unlike Ron DeSantis, do not have very good political instincts. I'm thinking in particular, I'm thinking of the anti-DeSantis, the opposite of Ron DeSantis, namely Beto O'Rourke loses the run for Senate, loses the run for president. Now he's running for governor of Texas. Beto O'Rourke at the moment in which the pro-life movement is probably at the height of its influence, at the moment in which the pro-abortion movement is probably at the absolute lowest point of its influence among voters and among the institutions. Beto O'Rourke shows up to the view to demand no limits on abortion whatsoever. Bye bye, baby. That, right. But I, I do want to press further because you're a progressive hero. There are so many people around the country who admire you and your leadership. Do you believe in any limit, limitations on abortion, whether it's the third trimester or up until even the final months, nine months? I think Roe versus Wade, which we should remind ourselves is still the law of the land today, mm -hmm. is the, the, the reference point that I would look to. And 
the, the way I think I can best express this is that I trust women. We should all trust women to make their own decisions that are in their best interest for themselves, for their health care, and for their future. That's the way it's been literally my entire life. I'm 49 years old. I'll be 50 this year, but that, that's the way it should be going yeah. forward. Um, but but yeah. let me just finish this point super quickly. In, in Texas, under Greg Abbott's watch, 100 kids lost their lives last year in the CPS, Child Protective yeah. Services mm -hmm. System in Texas, under the care and the custody of the state of Texas. If he cared about life, he would have cared about those kids, yeah. but he cares about political points and control <clears throat> and power over women's bodies. And he loves his guns, too. So pathetic, so weak coming from Beto O'Rourke. If, listen, there, there, this is a very sad story. Kids died in the foster care system. And if Greg Abbott really cared about life, he would have killed those kids much sooner. He wouldn't have let those kids live for however long they did live. He would have killed them much sooner. That's how you care about life. Why is he even talking about the foster care? Yeah, you, find me a Republican who thinks that the foster care system is just perfect or thinks that, that uh, there's, there, there's no way to improve the foster care system. Give me a break. I don't know. Who, I don't, uh, there's no Republican. There. It's a complete straw man. And if you really cared about, no, if you, listen, buddy, we're talking about abortion and your view on abortion is so hideous, morally idiotic and unpopular that you don't want to talk about abortion and you want to move on and talk about foster care. Okay. You want to talk about foster care? Let's talk about foster care. I'm, I would love to reform the foster care system. I would love to make it easier for parents to adopt and less expensive for parents to adopt in this country. I would love to make it harder for parents to get divorced in this country. I would love to do all sorts of things that would help families in America. I would love to change aspects of our industrial policy. I would love to change aspects of our trade policy to make it easier to form families. I would love to do all sorts of stuff. If you want to have, oh, you don't want to have that conversation. Now you're talking about guns for some reason, Joy Bayer, and we need to talk about guns. No, you're, those are totally separate issues. I'm happy to talk about guns too, but you're all running away from the issue of abortion because you know that your position on it, namely that you should be able to kill a baby one minute before he's born, is extremely unpopular and obviously evil and wrong. So they, they keep trying to shift the goalposts. This guy does not have good instincts. Whenever Beto O'Rourke issues an opinion on something, if you are an aspiring politician, if you want to be effective in the political square, do the opposite. Okay, it's just a, even regardless of what you think, it is a good bet that whatever Beto O'Rourke thinks, the opposite is going to be more politically effective. Turning now from a terrible show to a good show, from The View to The Joe Rogan Show. Joe Rogan uh, expressed last week, I meant to get to it last week, we can get to it now, his view on the abortion issue. And I think his view is actually where a lot of Americans are on the issue. Joe Rogan's view is, I'm for a woman's right to choose, but. You know, it's just, I just don't like, you know, I don't like people telling other people what they can and can't do, but it gets weird when the baby gets like six months old. You know, it gets weird when they're really, really pregnant because in some states, for the longest, I don't, I don't know what the rules are now, but I know that some states had late-term abortions. And sometimes you need one for medical reasons, right? Like the woman could die if she gives birth. Like it's a decision that people have to make. Well, if you look back, what was your favorite part of being a fetus? Ah! Well, what was your favorite part of being three? You know, should I be able to shoot you at three because uh, I don't want to take care of you anymore? <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like I am... 100% for a woman's right to choose But as a human being just as a just a person observing things There's a big difference between a little clump of cells and a fetus with an eyeball and a beating heart and For anybody to pretend there's not is it's you're not doing any but argument. where do you draw the line right? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, yeah, that's the question so Joe's view here is 
totally understandable. I think it's probably the majority view in America. It, it also is the least coherent view. So it, it, I think the pro-life view and even the pro-abortion view, you know, the pro-life view, which is if human life has worth at all, it has worth from the very beginning and we should defend it. That makes sense. The pro-abortion view, the, the really honest pro-abortion view, which is, yes, obviously the baby is a baby, obviously the baby is a human, but we want women to have maximal bodily autonomy, and in order for women to have the same degree of bodily autonomy as men, they need to be able to kill their kids. That's the view popularized by Naomi Wolf. It's the view popularized by that girl who came on my show last week. That view, I think it's ghastly, I think it's evil, but I understand it. Joe's view is, it makes less sense, but I, I can understand why people come along to it, which is, look, I, want, I don't want to tell women what to do. I, don't, I want women to be able to do whatever they want to do. But like, come on, it's, at a certain point, it's obviously a baby, right? And it's obviously wrong to kill babies. And when his guest makes that glib joke, what was your favorite part about being a fetus? Joe mocks him for it. He says, oh, ha, ha, ha. I don't know. What was your favorite part about being three? Should you be like, you know, give me a break, man. Do you remember being two? Come, give me, come on, that's, that's such a weak argument. But then Joe says, well, there's a huge difference between a clump of cells and a six-month-old baby in the womb. But there, there isn't a total difference, actually. There is, you know, the, either the baby, I think that the, the big differences here, the, the big distinguishing features are, are you alive or are you a human? I think those are, the difference between alive and not alive, the difference between human and not human are much bigger differences than, say, the difference between having fully formed hands and not fully formed hands, between having fully formed eyeballs and not fully formed eyeballs. Those seem to me, they're differences, but those are much super, more superficial differences than are you alive or are you not alive? Are you human or are you not human? Joe is so close. He's so on the right track here, and he realizes that the pro-abortion propaganda is BS. Now the only question for him, and really you know, I think he so expresses popular views that it's a question for all of America is, are you going to go all the way with your correct moral intuitions? Are you going to follow them to their logical conclusion? The difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth these days is six to nine months. I think we've agreed, right? So, what were the conspiracy theories? Actually, COVID-19 did not arise in nature, but probably had something to do with a laboratory and, and uh, public health funding. And, so, and that was a crazy conspiracy theory. Oh, no, wait, no, it turns out it's true. Actually, the, the COVID vaccines, they, they might have some negative side effects and they might, no, no, that's not, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Okay, it's true. The COVID vaccines, they might, they might affect a woman's menstrual cycle. That's not true. It's scientifically impossible. It's a total conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Well, no, never mind. That, that actually is true. All of, I'm, and I'm just focusing on the conspiracy theories of the last three years. Uh, conspiracy theory. There might have been some shenanigans in the 2020 election. No, no, that's crazy. That's, well, actually, look at Pennsylvania. Look at Georgia. Look at, okay, right. Lots of conspiracy theories turn out. So the, the, the craziest one, though. And I, I think I heard Alex Jones talking about this some years ago, but I've heard other people talk about it. They said that Older, wealthy, elite people are going to prolong their lives by consuming the blood and the vital liquids of young people. It's something out of a horror movie, right? It's something out of a sci-fi dystopian. That's so crazy. That's never going to, oh my goodness, there's the headline. Youth transplants really can slow the aging process. This is from The Telegraph. Uh, Stanford scientists find infusions of cerebrospinal fluid can regenerate the brain's memory center 
and may help to rejuvenate elderly bodies. They even acknowledge, they say, harvesting the blood and body parts of the young in the hope of achieving immortality has long been a familiar trope in horror novels and conspiracy theories. But as macabre as that sounds, science is beginning to discover that youth process really can slow down the aging process. The fountain of youth, it seems, is youth itself. And so these uh, researchers at Stanford are looking at how if we, ju- if we just harvest the young and then old people who are afraid of death just take the vital life-giving fluids of the young and just inject them into their own desiccated bodies that they might get to live a little bit longer. This seems like a bad idea. Doesn't this seem like a bad idea? I I think it does. This is because of a delusion that elites have had since the dawn of time and every generation that comes up with it thinks it's brand new, which is, hey, maybe we can conquer death ourselves. Now, I, being a Christian, believe that death has already been conquered in an eternal way by Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, that's not good enough for the libs. That's not good enough for some elites throughout history, even before there was such a thing as liberalism, who, who don't want to face a bodily death, who want to just live in this world, forget the life of the world to come, forget the eternity, forget in the bosom of Abraham, forget you know the beatific vision. No, no, no. They just want to live in this world forever. And they're so afraid of the lights going out, that they're always looking for the fountain of youth. They're always looking for some magic elixir. They're looking for radical life extension. You see the Silicon Valley types talking about this all the time today. And it's just as silly today as when the pharaohs were doing it. It's, it's not going to work forever. And it's sick. It's, it, it gets to a, a, an especially pronounced cultural issue today, which is the refusal of people to grow up. You need to grow up. Growing up is not a bad thing. Growing up is a very good thing. We have a society of overgrown babies these days because no one wants to actually grow up and mature. This is why we have the phrase adulting. When 35-year-olds finally figure out how to pay their bills, they say, I'm adulting. Oh yeah, I, I finally filed my taxes. Totally adulting. No, you should have been doing that for many years at this point. And now people get married, you know, much, much later. If they do have children at all, they have children much, much later. They say, I'm adulting because I and And look, people suffer from infertility, often as a result of delaying these sorts of things. But very often, people will choose not to get married, will choose not to have children. And the reason that they'll choose that is because they want to continue to go to brunch like they did when they were 22 years old. They don't, they don't want to move on to the next. They're so afraid of using, losing their youth. They want to just sit at home and do all the things they did as children and not put those things away. You have to put those things away. And it's true. I'm not just beating up on the millennials, my own generation. It's true at the upper end of that spectrum too. Sometimes it's time to move on. How can we still have baby boomers as president? Actually, Joe Biden's not even a baby boomer. We went backwards. We had a baby boomer president in Bill Clinton. We had a baby boomer president in George Bush. We had a Gen X president in Barack Obama. Then we had a baby boomer president. We went back in Donald Trump. And then we went back even further, if you can believe it, to the generation before the baby boomers with Joe Biden. There's no moving on. There's no handing off the... I don't even blame the boomers. The millennials don't seem particularly ready for it. And the boomers uh, have totally messed up the society from the mid to late 20th century. So there there are problems all around. And I think a lot of it just gets to not accepting this fact of time, not accepting this fact of aging, not accepting the fact of death. You're going to die someday. 
That's one of my favorite Twitter accounts, is the death reminder, the memento mori. You will die someday. In my office at the Daily Wire, I have a, a picture, a, the Caravaggio, a print of Caravaggio's pic, painting of St. Jerome, who's writing, he's translating the Bible, and he's got a, a skull right there, the memento mori. You are going to die. It's good to remember that you're going to die because that will motivate you to, to do the right thing today, to get your affairs in order. It will actually, ironically, put you at, at far greater peace than if you think that you can live forever by sucking out the spinal fluid of young people. Don't, don't do that, folks, okay? You're not going to live forever. This is so much of this public health neurosis and insanity of the last two and three years now has come because of people's irrational, ridiculous fear of aging and sickness and dying. A lot before we go to, there's just an important point here. Misinformation is being spread on this. Uh, the White House just tweeted out, when President Biden took office, millions were unemployed. There was no vaccine available. In the last 15 months, the economy has created lots and lots of jobs and blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, that's fake news. That's misinformation. More than 3 million Americans were fully vaccinated and more than 18 million had at least one dose of the vaccine by the time Joe Biden was inaugurated. Joe Biden himself was, was vaccinated by the time he was inaugurated. So that was fake news. That was disinformation. Is the Disinformation Governance Board, the new Ministry of Truth, are they going to go after the White House for that? I sincerely doubt it. Is the White House ever going to get on message? Not with a press secretary like this, not with a Democratic Party like this, which has nothing, which is gasping, which is desperate, which is running on straws. Expect more desperation tactics. Expect more of this ugliness, the exploitation of tragedy, the invective, the insults, the horrible smears. That's, we, we have only entered the 2022 campaign season. Buckle up. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the left decides Tucker Carlson is responsible for a racist mass shooting in Buffalo. Liz Cheney slanders the GOP as complicit in white supremacy. And the Biden administration tries to tax its way out of inflation. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 